इट्स एन ऑट स्टोरी प्रोडक्शन हेलो एवरीबॉडी दिस इज विनीत टुडे आर मोस्टली शिवा इज ऑन अ ट्रिप एंड वी आर डिस्कसिंग अ वेरी स्पेसिफिक एस्पेक्ट ऑफ कम्युनिटी ऑन दिस एपिसोड so i am your community strategist and podcast host you have been listening to me since last two season and third season is underway today we have rashri shai she is the founder and ceo of impactry data technologies and in the past she has been a cs and a lawyer so rashri why don't you introduce yourself so that our listeners know who you are and what do you do Hi Vineet thank you so much uh, for this opportunity it's great getting on a formal podcast with you uh, well uh, my story began really back in 2004 much before i did my law and cs i was a activist and really worked with arna roy as well as the right to information campaign uh, traveled across india on foot and really wanted to be the change in what i visualized uh, what i wanted to see in india and that's always been my motto that be the change that you want to see and in that go i have really worked as an activist extensively across the country and really worked on a bunch of causes from environmental to civic rights to voter rights etc and then along the way of course i did my cs economics and law in the hope of getting into a corporate job like all of us aspire when we are of course back in college but uh, really around uh, 2010 when i did get my dream listed job as a cs in a company i really realized somewhere that there was really a gap in terms of where i wanted to be and what i was doing and that's when i really called this and i've told this in multiple forums i'm kind of a recession entrepreneur because around that time is when the 2008 to 2010 period also the great recession hit um, the global economy and the lehman brothers collapse so at that point of time i remember that you know i was sitting here in a law department and doing pretty well for myself but really you don't have any business that comes in into the legal department if actual business is stopped and that's what happens in a recession is that actual business is stopped so then what do you land up doing so that's when i really took a change where i decided somewhere that i really wanted to do something different than continuing to be a lawyer so compared to what normal notions was of course my family had a large business which ran into losses because we were in steel industry then but i decided somewhere that i wanted to kind of give up my legal career and start my journey as an entrepreneur first in helping my family get out of the recession and the business losses they were in but soon start building a dream from there on so around that period of course the jagruti yatra also happened to me it's a very interesting train journey where 500 people are chosen across the world to travel and meet other entrepreneurs such as uh, jo madiyat or narayan murthy along the way to learn about entrepreneurship and we'll talk more about that in our podcast that happened and then that was a really pivotal point in my life when i went off to really support my family in building enterprises fast forwarding 10 years down i have co-founded two enterprises the first one is a drone start startup which works in the area of electronic hardware and i had zupa in terms of partnerships uh, my brother is the, the founder and ceo of the company along with my father we operate in areas of iot hardware defense technology as well as commercial which is going to be launching the uh, zupa ajit which is a commercial drone very soon and the second company of course that you just introduced is impactry data technologies we started off with a mission of wanting to impact about 1 million people by 2020 so far we have been part of programs that have impacted about 700000 people we worked very closely with about 80 clients in india 
and of course worked abroad also with the USA and United Nations on programs in rural women entrepreneurship specifically across the 10 states of India particularly and we are a data tech company that is focused on building platforms that enhance human capability we work in the area of rural livelihoods and education with ngos non for profits and corporates and very soon because we achieved 700000 of the 1 million people we wanted to impact we now wish to impact about 5 million people by 2027 including creating a network of 15 lakh women entrepreneurs in rural india across all states awesome so rashri you have summarized your entire journey in like this introduction so let me decipher some pieces of it for our audience to understand our listeners to understand that why we are having this interview and why community as an aspect as an focus is very critical in a in an organization success as mm-hmm. the theme of the season is culture and influence so this is a very interesting story you said that you are a research entrepreneur and while you deep dived into your professional career and life as well as your uh, family was going through a huge business loss so what was going on in your mind when you were sitting in that law department of the corporate firm to understand what you will be doing and what led you to jagriti yatra see like i said long before i became a entrepreneur i was working in the legal field and much before that i was an activist okay so i think that very much as an activist and that's been my journey when i started off with i came back of course i grew up abroad i largely grew 18 years across the gcc the entire middle east and uh, you know believe it or not i changed 14 schools in 12 years of schooling so that's how much of travel i did in my childhood and around 2004 when i came into india i had committed that i wanted to be a change prema gopalan who was my mentor then she also happens to be uh, my father's cousin uh, is an inspiration in the social development sector and when i said that hey i wanted to kind of change uh, communities i wanted to work with people my parents really took me to prema and brito because they're a husband and wife then they said that why don't you learn from them how to do it and that really began my journey of working with communities when i worked for four years across india as an activist um, it was very you know what do you say the rush of activism is it's it's almost intoxicating because you're out there on the field you're kind of bringing forth to rights of people you're listening to people you're working with them 20 kilometers a day in the hot sun but really also living with them as a community in the spaces that they operate see how hard it is see how easy certain things are just understanding the social cultural aspect of india that was a very important four years of my life because walking across the country really got me to understand india in so many different ways that you know i wouldn't think all of us in urban spaces realize the diversity that we have so that happened and then you know of course every parent will have that conversation right saying that beta kya kar rahe ho zindagi mein kya karne wale ho so that's when law happened right like they said listen corporate job marriage da 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 it has to have some logical flow you can't be doing dharna all the time so that's when uh, you know i would say the legal career and the economics part of it happened where you know i said that uh, hey i want to quit everything to ias they said no 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 that's too radical Why Why don't you go ahead and you know do CS CS equals to law, so get into a legal firm. So that's what happened when I actually finished my CS, and that was a run. I really loved it. I'm not saying no. I loved the job as a CS. I found a beautiful mentor in case Krishna Saran Mishra and Deepa Ma'am, who were my mentors then, and I worked with their firm for a year and a half. Of amazing learning experience. 
but then also the job of the legal profession in itself can get quite monotonous and repetitive after some time so in recession particularly there's already very less work you know you're a team of 15 20 people you're already getting trickling in work coming in and then as a cs that further reduces because you're the last of the pecking order right like i joined as the executive in the department so i was like with 20 years of experience people i'm reporting to so they would get the work finish it and then really nothing would come to me so after doing one year of and those are the times we also had these it systems okay uh-huh. so they would be allowed one hour of internet on one laptop for an entire day that was all our quota in the organization mm-hmm. so the rest whole time when you don't have work you are playing i think mind sweeper but you know, how much mind sweeper can you play so <laughs> <laughs> that is something you know which is uh, pretty exhausting tiring and it's frustrating to a great extent i know so for the benefit of our listeners uh, yeah. as uh, rashri said beta life mein kya kar rahe ho it basically when you translate it in english than what are you doing with your life what exactly yeah. have you thought about your professional career personal life are you going to get to settle in and other things so rashri having said that that you know you went from activism to becoming a cs and a lawyer and everything tell us about your jagriti yatra journey what is jagriti yatra and what was that journey all about jagriti yatra is pretty simple it's an amazing inspirational uh, journey ashutosh who's also an advisor on impactry is the one of the ceos of the jagriti yatra he continues to be the ceo he's one of the core founding team members but jagriti was was founded by shashank raj and revati jagriti yatra as a goal to get about 500 people that they would select across the world get selected to go on an inspirational train journey for 15 days so you stay on the train you literally have a bath on the train you stay on pavements you stay on the in the platforms you stay in cubicles which are modified for you to actually live in them so you stay and learn by meeting other entrepreneurs along the way So you have sessions where you meet very reputed entrepreneurs currently from like say Niti Aayog we met Narayan Murthy at our time and then we also met uh, the founder of Fab India in our time but from and Arvind I care of course uh, where you meet Arvind Dr Arvind himself but from all these entrepreneurs you kind of learn what is their experience and journey been in entrepreneurship and then you go back and you exchange notes among your community and you try understanding from there how do you start you know building it up how do you start working on your idea so that's what the jagriti yatra is we continue to be one of uh, the impact partners of the jagriti yatra through impactry and over the years uh, the jagriti yatra has taken various different shapes so it went offline for the last two years it's back to being online this year but overall it's a space for young entrepreneurs to realize that they are not alone and i think that's what the yatra basically does so when you work and you meet with the community you start realizing that you're not in this journey alone everyone has their ups and downs and you start becoming more realistic on what your goal could be i remember that you know in my time shashank was the founder came up to me and said rachri at the end of this yatra if i wake you at 3 am in the morning you should be able to tell me your business idea in two sentences and that's what you learn that kind of focus that kind of peer learning that happens that really shapes out who you are so i was a participant in 2011 but uh, since about 2016 we i have gone every year and conducted sessions on women entrepreneurship in the yatra uh, so it's a pretty interesting train journey and how i got out in the also yatra is interesting so while i was in this legal job 
one day I, I came across this application. I decided that if I get through, I will quit. And like I've said, unfortunately or fortunately, I got through, so I quit. And that's how my journey started as an entrepreneur. Great to hear that, Rashri. You have studied in 14 schools across GCC and I have studied in eight schools across three, two cities, three cities in India. So you beat me at that. I am pretty passionate about community and integrating community as a business strategy in the organization. And considering mm-hmm. the fact that uh, you were an activist, you went on to the Yatra. You connected with the grassroots level uh, people, uh, the entrepreneurs who are actually imp- uh, doing work at the grassroots level and creating a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Obviously, so when Shashank told you that at the end of the Yatra, if I wake you up, in your deep sleep and say what your business plan is, you know, explain it to us in two sentences. That aptly summarizes the entire impact of the Yatra. Mm-hmm. So from Jagriti Yatra impact mm-hmm. to impact tree data technology, mm-hmm. what is that bridge? So the bridge is that very much after the Yatra, I decided that I really wanted to work in the social entrepreneurship space. And that's when I went back to Prima Gopalan, my mentor, and she told me that, why don't you come over and start working with uh, me at SSP India? And uh, I went on to, you know, working with her to lead a project with the USAID, with the US State Department at that point of time, under the WPAR program. It was the time that Hillary Clinton was investing heavily in women in clean tech. And uh, specifically, my job was to create about a network of 1,000 women entrepreneurs retailing clean energy products across nine districts of Maharashtra and about another six districts of Bihar. We created this network of 1,000 women entrepreneurs and we scaled the project across Africa and Indonesia subsequently. So that's where uh, I really understood grassroots enterprise in a very different way because there are a lot of social cultural embeddedness that play a much bigger role than what we think in family-led enterprises in rural India and understanding that is where I also figured out the gap on which impact currently works right so when we were doing and implementing the project at the scale we often realized that we are third-party consultants who would come understand a particular project and give us a report on it. But by the time the report would hit the board and clear to someone who's implementing it on the field and changes would get implemented, it was a long process. It used to take three to four months and often we wouldn't see any results on the ground because by then the implementation period is over. So we already started understanding that there was a data gap in the sector. And that's where, you know, Vivek, my co-founder comes in, who comes from a huge experience in data analytics systems and processes in one of India's largest MNCs. He has 16 years of experience. So I often saw him do these site building and they had these project managements that they used to do on data. And a simple naive question that I asked him saying that, hey, you're collecting so much of data. Can you put the same system, how I can track data on my own project? Of course, in all our naivety, we thought, oh, yeah, sure, plug in a system, it will work. It doesn't work like that. So over the years, what we've done in Impactree is we've built platforms. And the first one is Prabhav, where we focus on two major things. One is that those who are implementing field programs for the 10th and 12th pass, they should have a visibility of the data. They should be empowered to understand the data, which is crowdsourced from communities. And the communities themselves fill this data in because it's in vernacular language. And through them, they take better decision making. So enabling better decision making on the ground is a key part. 
and the second part is also from a business perspective right so i think what i've realized as an entrepreneur myself that the economics of actually empowering someone to start an enterprise is very critical towards the development of a household or a community so now we work uh, through our esg framework and our easy framework with multiple corporates and including financial access corporates in trying to see that how can they crowdsource data better from their communities and tailor made the csr program such that it actually starts off and scales businesses in these communities so you work with these communities not as beneficiaries but as equal stakeholders in the process in helping them scale up their enterprise and at the same time the corporate also has to an economic incentive to it so the corporate will also make money out of it somewhere so for example to just make this a little more clear uh, we worked with this financial access company who works on the area they do lending in rural india so when they were doing lending in rural india and doing a lot of work as a part of their csr program we said that you know instead of doing multiple things around csr why don't you take certain villages and then we narrowed down about eight states that they picked up and we said that in these eight states we will look at what it takes to initiate a woman into enterprise and scale her up and the entire journey be it healthcare be it skills development be it lending and credit that is needed all of this the corporate will do towards the csr while continuing lending to this woman and moving her up the value chain so this we did through a crowdsourced data model again we collected about 2000 women responded in a five day period to us and then developing this integrated strategy which the community wanted also this is what the community wrote back to us or through the surveys was to basically tell us this is what we want this is what will make it easier for us in covid because the survey was already deployed in covid the corporate was able to ensure two things one it was able to impact the community better through their csr programs and because they were lending in that particular community by supporting women to move up the entrepreneurial value chain they were able to reduce their default rates by 8% and actually move up the women on ticket size that they were lending to so where they were lending say 5000 rupees a month today they are lending almost 20 to 24000 rupees a month because women have been able to establish enterprises so it makes economic sense to the community and to the corporate and that's what we really believe as a thesis in social change moving forward Awesome, Rashri. I mean, I wanted to ask you two, three questions in between, but the fact is, you summarized. I mean, you shared it so lucidly that it was no point interrupting. So let this be a rapid fire sort of question, so that our listeners get the hang of things. What they just went through the entire process. So data is something which you figured out is very necessary, but the implementation period went away. Whereas Vivek, the co-founder, came on board and said that yeah, the systems can be put in place. So I believe that is the core offering of your organization that how do you crowdsource the data from the communities and build a model which makes sense for enterprises the large enterprises the corporates to invest in am i getting it correct or uh, what's your thought on it you are right in a sense there's just a small addition that we will make mm-hmm. that is to the extent that when you look at our current model we work with crowdsourced data from the community the decision makers typically are developmental ngos or non for profits who have these you know community leaders who look at this data and take decisions on programmatic goals down mm-hmm. and because it is a transparent system where the same data has been seen by a community worker to the corporate 
and the system has been made simplified for them to undertake even donors are able to get better transparency they are able to understand whether they want to align these programs to their businesses or they want to keep it as a charitable vertical within their organization and make connections you know visibility of this data the ease with which multiple stakeholders can use and see it has been the real crucial change which has allowed for these stakeholders to really you know innovate in the pipeline to not make csr only another compliance tick box our aim is to make and add value to businesses in rural india through csr and that's what we've been able to do because of the platform we've built this is just one platform that we have the next platform netri is focused on women entrepreneurs and really taking the same approach and seeing how we can democratize data for women led family enterprises there specifically in district level entrepreneurs and district level locations in india so this is as we said that's how we see our theory of change we want to work in building platforms this, which allows this visibility and transparency great yeah so me as a community strategist i have been a very big advocate uh, to the uh, business world stating that don't take community as a csr activity take it as a business strategy mm-hmm. and when you take it as a business strategy instead of it being a checkbox it is also good for your business uh, so why don't you share anecdote or a story of the real time impact which one of your financial services organization had and how over a period of time it actually helped out the infant mortality rate story which you were mentioning while we were having the casual coffee talk a discussion in the office see that's that's what we've arrived at after with my 15 years in the development sector what i've realized is communities will take the most amount of ownership when you trust them and involve them in the process of change right and that's very very crucial understanding these dynamics and rethinking what are enablers and challenges right like uh, what i've clearly understood is that uh, there is an indian approach there is an you know indic way if i may say to how india functions and that is very closely tied to social cultural norms which exist in india and which we are all completely okay with right the approach which is abroad doesn't work in india and i think that is what we have to quickly realize and really be able to i would say internalize and start valuing the indic approach to how communities function in india a key aspect of this like what you said is we were doing a project in nande district and in nande district we were getting community leaders to map understanding of uh, pregnancy there were large of cases in that particular district because it's quite isolated nande as a district it is not near industrial hubs it's largely depend on agriculture it's quite far from most major cities and that being said the level of anemia in the district is very high health parameters infant mortality is relatively high of course now but when we started about 2 3 years back the parameters were they were not alarming but i would definitely say that you know there was a level of seriousness to what the parameters were at that point of time so when we started going in the community and we really started working with uh, women to try understanding from them that uh, why are they not we understood that when they were pregnant they had anemia so we started trying to understand from them what was leading to the anemia one large cause was child marriage and that is a large systemic problem we've seen it in covid when we did a district study of certified districts we realized that child marriage has gone up by almost 18% in maharashtra alone during covid so that is a larger systemic problem that we are facing today 
But beyond that, when we started getting in and we said that, okay, through the ASHA worker system, these women are supposed to get good food. Why are they not eating good food? So we worked for a period of one year in all our great thoughts saying that let's give them good food. Let's give them supplements. It will improve the overall infant mortality because anemia will come down. It didn't happen. When we went back to the community leader and tried to understand with some community leaders saying what was really going wrong, we really realized that women didn't have an agency, right? So the mother-in-law there would be a typical person who would decide how much food this particular woman would get during her pregnancy. And traditionally, women eat also the last. So by the time they eat, most of the vegetables are gone in the gravy, most of the chicken is gone. So what they're eating is really not nourishing. And no matter how much you do in terms of, say, vegetable kitten garden or supplements, this is not going to change the fact if the mother-in-law is not convinced that her daughter-in-law has to have this particular supplement at that point of time. In some cases, men were having those supplements. So it completely negated the purpose of the program. But uh, what we quickly realized was that some community leaders in the community had done a very smart thing. They had gone up to the mother-in-law and said, you want your daughter-in-law to have this, she should have a normal delivery, right? And India's normal delivery is a big thing. So she said, yes, we, I mean, ideally scenario, we want her to have a normal delivery. So she said that then you should really focus on uh, her food. So she said, yeah, yeah, we've been doing all of this for many years. What are you saying which is different? So she said, no, no, don't think of it from that perspective. Think of it from an economic perspective. Tomorrow, if she goes for a C-section, it will cost her anywhere between 1.2 lakhs, 1.5 lakhs. That's how much it costed me also in my C-sec. But because she has anemia, so most of the you know, daughter-in-laws are actually going for C-section and it's costing them so much. So what if you invested in their food? So say you get her good chicken once a week, you get her good vegetables once a month, whatever it is as a frequency. Uh, we made an economics to say that the total amount a mother-in-law would possibly spend on it is about 40 to 50k. If she actually goes through a normal delivery, that is in the range of another 40 the total cost of the delivery will be 80k versus the 1.5 it could be if we didn't focus on the women now and they invariably went into c-section the minute we said something like this now that struck a bell with the community they started actually giving better food to the daughter-in-laws just to avoid the social stigma of a c-sec but also making it sure that you know the economics of it meant that they would save close to 60 70,000 rupees which is considerable for them Right. So I think these are stories that data actually presents. You see successful businesses, be it your Uber, Ola or Swiggy, for example. So Rashri, as you shared the story of the social impact in the communities, right at the grassroots level. Secondly, you were also mentioning that uh, companies like Ola and Uber and Zomato are also using the data and it is totally integrated with the community, right? So how does this entire thing tie back in? Would love to hear your thoughts on the same. I think understanding communities today is very critical to any business simply because we have a huge information boom, right? You have villages today who have adopted, especially in COVID, especially youth have adopted internet in a huge way. Today, when we go into villages, we often see women, you know, taking their phone and dictating to Google, Google translating and posting it in WhatsApp, right? So they actually speak to Google and Google does the work through WhatsApp. I don't think me and you do it. 
in urban India, we are still in the typing or voice note mode. So rural India has actually transformed and communities have a lot more awareness through new age platforms. So I think it becomes critical to factor in their needs and this presents a huge opportunities for companies to leverage it. Like that's what I was saying. For example, Zomato, if you come down to Chennai, it will send me a push notification at 12 o'clock every day saying, why don't you try biryani today? Why don't you try an Andhra meals today? It is taking my locational data and understanding the context of what people eat at 12 o'clock in Chennai. And when you come down to Bombay, it sends you a different kind of notification because you are in a different location. So these are social cultural nuances that companies are using to actually make it better. And that's what Ola, Uber, Zomato all have built their businesses on, on understanding what particular communities in an area think and what makes them tick. And how can you actually use that to actually add better value to your business as well as to the community because you're offering a service which may make their life easier. So I think this is a foundation that most businesses don't see in their early stages also. They rush into a business without really understanding what is your consumer wanting? How can you build a community? How can you build a bunch of cheerleaders within your customers who actually go forth and get you more customers? These are critical skills today. And as we go more data-based, these skills are the ones which are going to actually win or break enterprises in the future. I totally agree with you, Rajshree, because as a community strategist and, you know, somebody who's uh, very much interested in community from a business strategy, Mm -hmm. it takes about six months to two years with active community engagement, community building effort for an organization to see some visible results. Initially, there will be zero impact, no impact per se, and it will be pretty frustrating. I'm sorry to use that word, but it's pretty frustrating. But once you keep on doing it, there is a trust and belongingness which is established. That's where you start to see activity and there is exponential growth. At this point of time, when businesses ask me, Vineet, what are the KPIs you look at? Uh, what is the ROI of investing in community? And how exactly do you transform it? Uh, frankly speaking, what I say is like, let's start small. Let's get from an MVP stage, see what is working. And whatever is working, we'll scale those programs. In your case, you have built an entire system which uses that data, understands it, cleans it, see where the interventions can be put into place and it is the entire ecosystem which is coming into place so right from avoiding the social stigma to gathering in the data to putting in when the implementation would come into place and that has actually been a good value for business because one of the financial services company which you are working with at this point of time initially they were lending about rupees 5000 to the women entrepreneur i know they are self-help groups and micro mm-hmm finance institutions Mm -hmm. to right now they are lending them 30k Mm -hmm. so essentially the volume of business has increased from 5000 rupees to 30,000 rupees which is Mm -hmm. about six times so when i want to summarize the entire thing what is the whole you have seen at least the six percent rise in the business and frankly Mm -hmm. speaking the default rates would also have gone down because there is an accountability which has come into place which ideally is a peer-to-peer accountability additionally there is a transparency i mean i understand the fact that you are talking from a social enterprise perspective Mm -hmm. but the transparency and data available to take that decision is pretty clear i mean the dashboard is pretty clear for everyone Mm -hmm. so just let us know your final thoughts on how do you wrap your head around it and what is the way forward from here for an enterprise to take that decision that by investing in community is good for their business and good business 
two things i think for enterprises first is you have to overcome the fear of not being in touch with your community right communities will throw good bad and ugly at you you need to have that uh, you know i would say the inner steering to really understand what you want to take and what you want to leave because you can't always be good for everyone that is the basic rule in business right mm-hmm. for ourselves as an organization when we were doing our customer service a few months back in terms of satisfaction feedback we did get negative feedback in some and we got pair positive feedback in ended but it always helped us to structure so as a promoter i think you need to look beyond overcoming that fear to see where is this ship actually heading in the future that becomes very clear as a promoter you have to have that inner compass to look at the community that way and see how you want to grow and today another thing i would definitely say is and why i corrected you earlier saying very clearly that ngos are a crucial part of the stakeholder ecosystem right there are beneficiaries in and there there is ngos we work with and then we work with hnis or corporates and ngos play a crucial role our role is not to eliminate the middle person there only because we understand that there are certain people or certain institutions which have already built the community trust you can partner with them without having to reinvent the whole wheel and i think that's the best part of actually community building that you don't have to create new wheels all the time nowadays the internet and the access especially since covid and we all went digital has allowed you to actually partner and when you're able to partner with other people look at it from a partnership lens and a business lens to see how you can multiply your community reach that's actually when you start getting better business correct i totally agree with you because there are five stakeholders which are there in any business as you know i have stated in season 1 season 2 and even i stated right away which is infrastructure service providers network they are service providers as well as networks mm-hmm. the capital will definitely come from multiple routes but essentially the holistic ecosystem is where the development comes into place Rashri it was great having you on season 3 of our podcast and thank you for sharing those bite size nuggets before we sign off what is that one takeaway which anyone can take and they should you know adhere to it takeaway that i i would say anyone should take is from the point of view of uh, looking at your stakeholders and identifying where you can you know whether if you're an enterprise you have investors you have employees you have community there and every place that allows you to better consolidate a particular vertical and keep listening for example as an impactry we believe we are a people first organization so we've recently done a lot of you know kind of activities and we see better outcomes even from employees so that's my final takeaway build communities among them and when you're able to build communities you put forth your very clear objectives when you build them keeping for their needs in in mind and your needs in mind so you arrive at something which is a midway to say this works for both of us and then you start building it in an iterative process along the way be open to change change will happen as you you keep evolving as a community keeps evolving you will have to keep moving to higher orders like they say in maslow needs hierarchy right so you keep moving to higher orders of engagement and that's when you will actually start seeing the trickle down effect that it brings to you so i think that becomes very important today because you know we have already moved the future of work is a hybrid culture so when we are moving to a hybrid culture whether it's customers employees or stakeholders i think the two key things that we have to embrace is that communities will become the future and there is an indian way or there is an indic way of operating 
we need to understand that and really embrace that as something like which is very core to us like the japanese have the keretsu way of operating we have the indian way of operating when we can understand the social cultural embeddedness better than that we ourselves will be able to scale our enterprises that's 100% true rachi i mean what i do professionally as a consultant you have a rightly you know simply strengthened my belief also few words for your uh, first mentor prema gopalan my prayers are with uh, her and her family that she is uh, gone to the heavenly ado you want to just share a quick obituary note before we close this episode thank you so much vinith for that uh, prema and rito like i've i'd put out in the social media of course have been like my second parents for me and vivek and uh, unfortunately we lost both the husband and wife in march so it's been a very difficult time but i think uh, that's where our source of inspiration comes forth so now if before you have heard me i've always told i want to reach 5 million people by 2027 now i'm very clear that a subset of it will be 15 lakh women entrepreneurs and family led enterprises that we will inspire across india that is something we as an organization have committed over the last two weeks in honor of prema gopalan who will continue being our advisor forever on our board she was a talwart in herself she went on to work with about 2 million women all across india as well as globally empowering them through enterprise and setting so many millions of them across india out of poverty she's brought in fact when we went for obituaries there were so many women who came the day she got cremated and they all said every village should have a prema tai and i think that is what we would really want as a dream moving forward is to build prema tai in as many households that we can and uh, not many people know it but brito who was her husband was india's leading uh, expert in drug addiction in honor of him also we are considering initiatives and in working with youth so the aim is to build prema tai in every house and to at least empower 15 lakh prema tais by 2027 in the next 5 years thank you rashi for uh, sharing such beautiful piece and finally for our listeners investing in community is seriously you have the long term impact you heard rajri story you heard jagriti yatra story you heard impact tree story and finally prema gopalan who has inspired rajri in this entire thing so with this we close our episode so for our listeners do listen to the podcast episode on apple podcast spotify or wherever you find it next follow us on linkedin and instagram check out be impactful podcast for more awesome content and as a bumblebee says See with your heart, listen with your mind, spread your wings far and wide. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.